Rediscover the 80s, your retro news and talk station. Coming up on Rediscovered. I got some good news and some bad news. How about the good news? To go. With your expertise, you should be able to get in and out of there with no problem. Can we get any footage of the rebels? No, we'll get whatever we can get without getting shot. Three American journalists on assignment in a country gone to hell. Do yourself a favor, Jack. Get out if you can. Get out. Not till I get a story. Americano! Americano! Jack, if they get you, they're going to shoot you. This country's in trouble. Come with me. Still my country. I got an emergency. Not at the embassy. Where the hell are they? We run out of time. Jag, there's one plane coming in. Don't stop at the terminal. Go directly to the plane. Michael Vincent. We were prayed before, you better pray now. Mary Crosby, David Huffman, and Julie Carmen as Maria. There is no escape if they miss the last plane out. Welcome to Rediscovered, a podcast dedicated to reviewing TV, movies, and animation from the 80s that we haven't seen since its initial run. Or missed us all together. And now your hosts, Jason and Wyatt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Rediscover the 80s podcast and episode 11 of Rediscovered, a journey to review obscure and overlooked TV shows, movies, and cartoons from the 80s. I am one of your hosts, Jason, and with me, my uh, Siskel to my Ebert, <laughs> my longtime friend, Wyatt. How are you, sir? Doing well. Enjoying this next assignment we have for Rediscovered. How are you, Jason? Doing pretty well. Yeah, this one's just uh, another one of those on a whim type movies that I was uh, scrolling through like the streaming listings. I've been doing this thing every month for the 80s weekly newsletter called streaming the 80s and taking the free services particularly uh, the roku channel and pluto tv and tubi and uh just trying to find what the new releases are from the 80s and i saw this movie called last plane out i had no idea what it was clicked on it and saw that it was a film from 1983 starring jan michael vincent i was like oh what is this Right. And uh, ended up messaging you about it. Uh, I really had no experience. Like I said, I had not heard of the movie or really not seen Jan Michael Vincent outside of Airwolf, of course. So I was curious to watch it. What about you? You in your Airwolf circles, I guess, might have uh, heard of this movie before. Actually, I had not. There's only, I think, three 
including Airwolf. I think I've only known him to be in three things. Okay. I know he's been in a lot more, but what I've watched, uh, now four, including this movie, there was a movie, a trucker type movie that I remember watching with my dad. And my dad had to shut it down about halfway through because it was so full of language. Yeah. And I was a teenager and he still was like, hold, I can't get through this. We're shutting it down. And then there was another one he did a bit part with Cheech and Chong in East LA. He was, <laughs> uh, I think he was a sheriff or at least a cop. Okay. And okay. you actually hear him in our cassette. It's just a sound bite. Where were you born? You know, and that's, the, you know, I don't know if you remember that, Jason. I don't, little... don't remember that line. He keeps, yeah. re- he keeps repeating himself. Italy, <laughs> Italy, man. But obviously, it, Cheech looks more like he's south of the border. So, right, right. Uh, J. Michael Vincent's role was to prove or disprove that he was born in East LA. Gotcha. That was the synopsis. If I remember, it's been so long since I watched that movie, but uh, it was a synopsis of him trying to prove that he was an American-born, you know, citizen. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. That might be a road we need to travel down because I don't think I've ever watched any of the Cheech and Chong movies all the way through. I. It was just that one that East LA, and it was uh on a whim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw it on like that Showtime. I think that's what we subscribed to Showtime. And I shortly after us listening to that cassette, because I heard it from the cassette first, mm-hmm. not I was never introduced to true stand up comedians or the movie or whoever Cheech and Chong really were prior to that. You know, I thought they were just a duo that did a tape. And here that was actually like the the comedy side role for the the movie yeah 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 i know they've done or did several in the 80s and some in the 70s too so eh, it might be uh, uh in the in the future for this show at least so well i did uh, do a little research on the movie and we'll go through here quickly the screenplay was written by ernest tidyman who actually was a prolific uh screenplay writer best known for probably writing the movie shaft the French Connection, High Plains Drifter, which was uh, Clint Eastwood, and A Force of One, which was a Chuck Norris movie back in the late 70s there, early 80s. He also wrote novels tied into those movies. And he was actually set up to direct this movie here, Last Plane Out, but was replaced early on into the shooting. And this was actually his last work. He died from complications due to alcoholism in 1984 so uh who knows what ernest tidyman could have wrote past this movie but the film was actually based on a true story journalist jack cox and uh, he actually the actual person co-produced the film and uh it's obviously about his experience in nicaragua when it was ruled by we'll say samosa i won't say his full name there uh, and his battle against insurgents during the 1979 Nicaraguan Revolution. The movie was directed by David Nelson. He is the son of Ozzy and Harriet Nelson, also on that show. And uh, looks like it was maybe one of two films he directed. He mainly directed for TV. And, of course, he was an actor. But the other film he directed was a horror movie called Death Screams from 1982. 
for any of you horror fans out there. But that's pretty much all I could find as far as the uh, the history and development around the movie. There's a few other uh, sites that I found that reviewed it, but uh, kind of little information on this because it wasn't <laughs> very big at all at the box office. Released on September 23rd, 1983, only made 115000 at the box office. I went over to Box Office Mojo, couldn't even find the movie. Wow. So that was probably in uh, limited release, not like a nationwide release uh, of the movie. It appears to be mainly out of print. I saw some listings for DVDs and Blu-ray copies, like on eBay, and uh, I think even on Amazon. It uh, appears it was transferred to Blu-ray from the only known original back in 2016. And I was wow. reading that from the back of the box. The uh, VHS listings I found uh, on eBay actually had a copyright date of 1992. So <laughs> I guess this didn't really have a big VHS release, you know, soon after it was released to theaters in the uh, earlier 80s. But uh, we found it over there on Tubi and it was also mm-hmm. on the Roku channel. If you guys want to seek it out, rated PG. So some language, there's one little makeout scene as well, but that's it's pretty tame uh, throughout for a what really call it an action movie, more of like a political drama. But the plot of the movie, uh, as I said before, there is basically this U.S. journalist in, and his crew, eventually his crew, get trapped in Nicaragua by these rebels who are equating them with as uh, CIA agents, which that was, I don't know, kind of tacked on there towards the end of the movie. It, mainly, Jack visits Nicaragua. He's a journalist, a writer, and he's trying to get both sides of the story here. And he meets this girl who we find out is actually one of the rebels. And she is helping him kind of along the way to get the rebels side of the story. He ends up leaving and I can't remember what the time frame was between when he leaves and when he comes back with the journalist crew. Uh, and then they get kind of stuck there as this revolution breaks out and there are very few planes able to land or take off. And they're not sure how they're going to get out of Nicaragua before all heck breaks loose, which right. pretty much already did uh, before they got out. But the movie stars, of course, like we said, Jan Michael Vincent as Jack Cox. And you went through a little bit there. And I, like I said, I'm, I had not remembered seeing him in anything else uh, outside of Airwolf. So that's what mainly pushed me to watch this movie. Maria Cardena in the movie, she's played by Julie Carmen who was mainly a TV and guest star and TV movie actress back in the day. Uh, she appeared in an episode of Airwolf the next she year, did. 1984. She did. I, I did not remember her being an Airwolf. Do you remember anything about that episode? Or I do. I've been actually it? on a, I've been, that's been my uh, daily uh, thing is watching Airwolf right on Tubi. Okay. So she's part of a rogue government I think they're located somewhere in Central America. I don't think they say Mexico, but in that vein, Mm -hmm. uh, Latin America. She kidnaps a buddy of theirs that 
uh, they I got acquainted with a few episodes prior. Kidnaps him essentially. They call him Doc, but he's really a medic, an old army medic. That's all he is. He's not a doctor, but supposedly makes or he's come across this radioactive serum that supposedly helps him, but it's really just a placebo effect for the 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 once president. Now he's he's hmm. dead. She kidnaps the dad out of the hospital. That's what sets up the episode. She kidnaps the, her dad out of the hospital, uh, and then go gives kidnap this guy and of course that's where string and them meet you know string goes down to rescue doc lands in their doorstep essentially and the episode goes back and forth and they battle gotcha. each other and all that okay. uh, but he he plays technically opposite of her you know it's not the the lover that we see later on in the movie it's more the the rogue mercenary that's the word i'm thinking of the mercenary that she plays in airwolf so, it's, you know, I always find it fascinating with actors. I'm sorry for this trail, but, you know, it is an actor. You just play a role. But sometimes I still am awed by how people can be so dynamic. You know, you see the hard-nosed Stringfellow Hawk, you know, especially in season one. He barely say, says two words sometimes. And even early on, uh, Archangel even says something about it. You know, mm-hmm. you're you're you're. I can't remember the exact phrase, but essentially, you know, your your specialty of saying the least, and yet you come up with a shame, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, well, you kind of see a little bit of the both sides of the coin here with Julie Carmen in this movie, yeah, where you do she beginning you're you're thinking, oh, she's just this socialite or whatever in Nicaragua that he befriends and falls in love with. And then towards the end, of course, she's with the rebels and blowing stuff up and right in there with the, the boys, you know, trying to take over the government there. So you get a little bit of both uh, in this movie. Also in the movie is Mary Crosby. She plays Elizabeth Rush, one of the uh, journalists that comes back with Jack to Nicaragua. She is best known for playing Kristen Shepard on Dallas for 28 episodes and had several supporting roles in TV and film over the years. David Huffman as Jim Conley. He was uh, the other person in the crew there, the journalist crew. He was a TV and guest star and TV movie actor uh, back in the day. Sadly, he was murdered in 1985 uh, from an altercation near a theater where he was uh, in a play, a very sad story, if you want to read about it on Wikipedia, David Huffman. And then finally, Lloyd Batista, who plays the Somoza, the uh, general there. And he's best known for appearing in several spaghetti westerns back in the 60s and 70s. So uh, that was pretty much the cast. The guy, the embassy guy that drives the van to, to get him mm-hmm. out of there towards the end. I did recognize him, but I couldn't quite put a finger on where I had seen him before. And I did not put his name down, but that was somebody probably in various TV guest appearances uh, from the shows that we watched something like that uh, back during this time. But yeah, the, the cast and the mainly you, you notice uh, Jan Michael Vincent, in this cast and uh, not 
so much I could find on uh, critically as far as uh, reviews go. Did not see anything from Cisco and Ebert. There wasn't even enough reviews on Rotten Tomatoes to give it a score <laughs> for the critics or the audience. But IMDb shows a 4.4 out of 10 rating over there for what it's worth. So let's get into the movie and your impressions, I guess, you know, as you're watching. I looked at the movie poster and it's this action shot of Jack running and the poster was awesome. It looked like a, I was like, Ooh, this is, this is going to be uh, one of, like an action film, but turned out to be more of a political kind of drama when I started watching it. But what was your first impressions there? As you put it on, you ended up watching it over the course of uh, a couple sittings, right? About three sittings really it takes me a lot to watch anything. That's why I go back to the classics. I go back to Airwolf. I go back to my two dads, uh, Alf, Mm -hmm. Uh, because I just don't have the time to sit and watch something new because it takes me at one point, it was almost a full month before I watched a whole something. (laughs) Uh, But I actually did not read. I didn't read into this. So it was, uh, I didn't know how to take this movie. It was Mm -hmm. a movie that had Jen Michael Vincent and that that was all I had. I started watching it and it just seemed very mundane. I wouldn't even call it a soap opera. I mean, it was just, someone's life i didn't know it was a documentary at any type uh i i just saw the story go and then all of a sudden there's a war out of like nowhere mm-hmm. you know they're battling it out they're like okay and then of course you know jam michael Vincent. i'm waiting for airwolf to swoop in with dom or someone but uh <laughs> it's a year before airwolf is aired so i know it's not airwolf and it goes back to like a little bit mundane and then we get the lovemaking scene and he flies back to to the newspaper and comes back as a political advisor, but it, it seemed very vague. At least I, I took it as very vague because they kept saying he was a CIA operative or informant rather. But I I never saw it except that he was just trying to capture a story. Yeah. He, I guess there was loose uh, when he's arguing with his editor or his boss there, I guess it was loosely tied to, to the CIA or at least the defense I won't even call it intelligence, but something in that vein. But it was, yeah. like I said, it was very loose. It was not like, hey, you are the operative or you, you know, you're the only one that has, seems to have a connection that we can report back to the CIA about. There was no real defined anything. To, at least I didn't capture. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And then it went back to like a little tiff, a battle. And then it was the, finally why the, you know, the movie's called The Last Plane Out. It's finally they're struggling to get a flight and they're the last few planes. You know, he dumps a wad of cash, which looks like it's, you know, probably a couple grand in there, what the stack folded, trying to buy his way out. Uh, he goes to the embassy and can't really find resolve there. I mean, in, in the end, they finally make their way out. They get the last plane out. Uh, I think it's actually on a C-130. Um, <laughs> no, no. No, that was the cargo plane first, and then they got off on a different plane. That's right. That's right. Um, I it was it wasn't until the very end where I see the the uh, text scroll by that that was a docu series or docu movie. I'm like, okay, that explains a lot, but it's still, you know, we of late, and I'd say the last twenty years, maybe more, we dramatize stuff, right? So. 
you think of alive, right? You think of the the skiers trapped in the Andes there. Right. Yeah. You know, they're having to, you know, they have their fight and breakouts and, and you know, they're having to survive off of eating actual human flesh. You see the drama there, but you wonder, is it real? Is it is it superimposed? What is it? And yeah. seeing this movie, I see it's not all that dramatic except for you know the battles that were right. kind of dramatic the the little kid trying to scramble him into a a tunnel or even get him to a that little rundown house outside the or near the airport or somewhere where they were that had something to it a little drama uh, mm-hmm. adventure maybe but it was even less of a soap opera i wouldn't even call it a soap opera you know it was just something like <laughs> Okay, this is him. Okay, now he's going out and having a one-night stand with the girl. Oh, wait, he fell in love with her, and he decides to leave and go back home. And then he comes back because of assignment. Uh, a couple more tiffs, and we're done. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I, I understand the ratings because, you know, we Americans, we like our drama. We're waiting for, well, Airwolf to come in and save the day. I, I don't know what else. Um <laughs> How, what did you think of it? What did you, what was your impression of it? Well, no, I, that's exactly what I took away because uh, I did not know it was based on a true story until I started doing some of the notes. And I did, I, it was a two sitter for me too. I uh, got through part of it and something came up and had to finish it later. But um, yeah, it's like, and no, nothing against Mr. Ryder there that we uh, announced at the top of the show there that wrote Shaft and The French Connection, some of these great movies. But it seemed like it was more or less going to the guy that, you know, this whole story actually happened and, you know, dictating what he's saying. It, it's not really dramatized like I expected. You expected a little bit more... Uh, uh, stuff to happen kind of in between versus just all right this happened and this happened and this happened and it's very point of fact and th- it could have been embellished a little bit and i don't think it would have taken away anything from the story and like you said i think that's what we look for nowadays in these based on a true story type movies is well you know that those moments where you're wondering well did this happen that's good because you are adding some elements into the movie, whether they happened or not, that you're making the audience think. And I'm not thinking about this. I'm just kind of soaking it all in. All right, he comes over to Nicaragua. He's a pretty good dancer, meets the girl. You know, uh, right. that was that was pretty fun. That scene where I, you know, I didn't know the guy could dance, and the dude's over there stepping on her toes, and he's like, "I'm just here to not step on your feet," you know, and uh, kind of woozer and you know, that whole thing develops into a romance and while he's working essentially, but then, you know, there's that nice, there was a, a, a pretty good moment as he's leaving, he invites her to come back to the States. You know, there's nothing for right. you here. And th- this time he doesn't know that she's connected with the rebels the way she is. And she's not leaving her country despite what's going on. Um, I thought there was uh, some pretty good dialogue with the general, the you know the the other side of the coin there, the essentially the president of the country, and him trying to uh, get information from him, they're 
they have a jog together, you know, and uh, I thought that was good. You can see how he was, you know, tied into uh, Nicaragua and, and the whole government and everything before, but it, I don't think it's ever revealed that he's connected to the CIA. I think that's just assumed by the rebels, you know, when they, it is. Uh, and then at the end, she, he even says, you know, I'm not involved in anyway. I don't know. Someone mistyped that on a memo or something. Right. Right. So he's, he's just trying to be the unbiased reporter, get both sides of the story. And it seems like, okay, that's, it's not going to happen. And when he gets trapped there, he's not reporting back in. That's where you get some drama there from his editor and this other lady back there. They're, they're trying to get in contact with the U S government to see what they can do to get a plane there and get these people out, American citizens. And, you know, he struggles. He, he kind of hesitates getting on that uh, big cargo plane that comes in because he wanted to get his, journalist friends out too uh and then the well the uh the kid characters too uh, th that was a fun angle that i think they could have played that up a little bit more but obviously he had been there several times because the one kid knows him by name at the airport right. his brother has the taxi we come back you know it's all beat up he gives him like 50 bucks to get the dents and out and banged out and to uh paint the thing i was like i thought that was funny if only uh, that was a current price today. Right, right. Uh, but he comes back and he's got the taxi all nice. And, you know, he's driving the journalist team around. But, the, you know, the, that was uh, a fun angle that he's in with the locals almost. And, tr and eventually he does use them in a way to uh, be able to get to that plane to get out. But I really thought there was a missed opportunity at the very end of the movie when we see him uh, as he's trying to slyly make his way, he got through the tunnel, his journalist friends got on the plane and he's trying to get there to the plane. And then Maria comes and sees him, recognizes him. Jack. And there's, it's almost just like a, it's more like a stare down, you know, like a, we talked in spaghetti Westerns earlier, right. When you got the two characters in the standoff. And there really wasn't much dialogue there. I think uh, she says she says something to him about, you know, something to the effect of where do you think you're going or, or you know, something about leaving. Right. He, he says one line to her and then he just kind of turns and walks away. There's not a real you, you're, you're thinking, OK, she's going to get him it, in the it, back. Yeah. Yeah. Is she going to turn on him? Since, you know, they did hook up there and, you know, let everybody know and try to, I, I thought she was going to tell somebody and maybe there'd be some shots fired as he's trying to get to the plane or something, but nothing happens. She lets him get on the plane and then she, I think she tells him, you know, adios mi amor or something uh, as he's taken off. And that's pretty much the end of the movie, but right. That scene seemed a little flat and could have been dramatized a little bit more too, because you're building up to that drama. Okay. She's taking this side and he's kind of on the side of the general, but not, he's right. trying to be biased, but she doesn't see it that way. And the rebels certainly don't see him that way. 
uh, and it was kind of building to that scene and it just kind of fell flat at the end. So what, what else, anything else that uh, you took away good or bad uh, from watching the movie? Well, it seemed like he was, like I said, the, the average reporter. I didn't see, I, I, I tried not to be, to characterize him because, you know, I see him as Stringfellow Hawk. I tried to see him in the role that he was playing. But when he was confronting, I think it was the colonel, the commander, general, someone or other, he was actually like staring him down. That's what I saw string come out. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, whether I, I I thought Airwolf came out in 84. I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure it did. So I saw a lot of that stand down string character come out there. But otherwise, I didn't see him as the hero. I didn't see him as a wuss by any means. I just saw him as an everyday, like his character was, to be mm-hmm. the, the impartial journalist, a reporter, trying to get both sides of the story. It kind of, when I saw this movie and I saw the time frame, okay, this is the year before Airwolf. I kind of had it in the back of my mind, well, maybe this was the role that won him the role on Airwolf. And I didn't see a whole lot of string. And I didn't see a whole lot that made me think, okay, we got to get this guy for this new show. You know, it, right. I guess I made a bad assumption there. And I don't, maybe, maybe there was something that they noticed in the movie. Uh, or, or maybe he just had some connections to get to that. I don't know the history behind him getting on Airwolf, but I don't know. I kind of had that assumption going in that, well, let's see what he was doing. Maybe this was something that he, you know, that put on his resume that, you know, got him to the next role, but I didn't see a whole lot of that. No, neither did I, like I said, except for that little bit of that interaction with the general, I didn't see much of anything. Um, But, you know, going into a blind not knowing what it was about like i said it didn't seem like the the documentary dramas that we see when i see it as a true documentary and you see this the story being told what looks like mm-hmm. legitimately as is i actually applaud that because there's times where i think it's the the added drama takes away from the real story and i don't know what the survivors think when they're telling these type of scenarios uh you think mm-hmm. of um was it sully where the aircraft lands in the hudson that's right yeah um you think of tom hanks you know tom hanks is uh, he, he does his due diligence i know to learn the character the man the, every little thing the mannerisms everything but i don't know that how much of that was embellished you know, I imagine the passengers were panicking, so that was part of probably legit. The drama in the courtroom with Sully, you know, was that like that, or was it real subtle? And Tom Hanks just and the scriptwriters decided to really make it, you know, the you can't handle the truth type of moment, you know, <laughs> embellished, yeah, yeah. And that's the same way when I see this now. Now that I see at the end when I saw the 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 text growing, I'm like. If this was told as it is face value, this is a great movie about 
Jack. Mm-hmm. It missed a lot of the dramatics to that could have been embellished, that could have been made it a little bit more cinematic uh, rated movie, yeah, maybe yeah. even better at the box office, even if to make a, I don't know if it made a profit at, at all, but maybe a little bit better profit, you know? Yeah, there had some moments, you know, there's the early on when they're using RPGs to blow up cars and those type of moments could have been a little more impactful while they were, I wouldn't say surprising. They could have, I guess, shown the war a little bit better as well. And that's what you, I took because it looked like it was so out of place. Yeah. Really you, in the puzzle. You get a lot at the end uh, of the city and there's tanks rolling over cars and there's a lot of back and forth battles. You know, there's, they're um, stuck in that or, or hiding in that house that just gets pummeled by gunfire. And there were some good moments like that to document the war that was going on. But I, I still say like you, you know, I, I watch a lot of documentaries, a lot of sports documentaries, but I have watched a lot of documentaries over the years. And it's almost like you're a, a firsthand witness when you're watching a documentary and then you have these kind of biopics or, you know, whatever you want to call them that are, you know, based on a true story that you expect some embellishment. This was kind of in between. It was either like a bad, <laughs> bad uh, story or uh, not bad story. It was like a bad interview of the guy that was actually there. They didn't right. take good notes or something right. to get all the pieces to fit together. So some of the, the pieces were there. It's just, it was not a good timeline, even in between some of the scenes, it'll, it skipped ahead a couple of days or so. And you're like, Oh, okay. So we're here now. And this is going on. That's what I felt a couple of times. You're almost like lost or you, you wake up in a, a fog from the previous scene. You're like, Oh, okay. We're here <laughs> now. So, and that could have been attributed to some, to the, director too and again i'm not trying to bash these people here because they've made uh, a movie that uh, i have never been able to make a movie but uh this is uh only a few movies that was uh directed by david nelson so maybe he was just inexperienced in trying to lay out the scenes for the actors to to do that as well maybe it's some of that blame goes on him and not so much the story, but I don't know. I don't know the story behind it. It just, the final product didn't, didn't take with me. I guess you would say. <laughs> That's probably the best way to put it for me. I, I applaud the effort. I don't know how I was to put it uh, of trying to tell Jack's story in the scenario that he was involved in. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, it's something um, I'm sure we could, shelve as leave it in the past yeah definitely i was just about ready to ask you that because i think we were kind of leaning on the same thing yeah it's it, it was interesting it was not a waste of time by any means because i did want to see jan michael vincent outside of airwolf that was the main reason i watched the movie and it really wasn't a waste of time to sit through it so i'm, I'm not going to tell people well just stay away it's so god awful but it just didn't come through on 
what we were used to or what are we are used to as seeing some of these uh real life stories trying to be dramatized in film and didn't didn't really get to that bar that some of these other films have reached over the years so so i'm we're in agreement we'll go ahead and leave this one in the past and uh, like we said if you want to try it it's over there on tubi and the roku channel but you're not really missing a whole lot uh if you <laughs> decide not to watch it we'll right. put it that way all right well i think that's going to do it then for uh, this episode of rediscovered and we'll be back uh at some point with some more shows i've, I've marked a few down as far as uh, what i've seen in the last just several months as i'm going through the listings wyatt of oh we could hit this and that and just talking to you you know we <laughs> talked about cheech and chong that could be something we could uh rediscover or, or discover for the first time yeah some of those we'll, we'll pick one of those movies or if you guys have a recommendation we'd always love to hear that as well exactly yeah this has been great always good to sit down and just jaw at a podcast especially mm-hmm. on rediscovered and like jason said we invite you to give you give us your comments your impressions of the movie maybe you thought it was a little bit better of a movie than we think uh, but yeah we'd love to hear hear from you yep and uh, of course i'm at rd80s on twitter he is at infamous wb if you want to reach out to us there or you can find us uh, with our show notes on rediscoverthe80s.com but we will uh, leave you for now and catch you next time on rediscovered have a great one